Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God is making sure that those that are serving Him, they're taken care of. Are you worried about that? Are you concerned? Do you have worries or things in your life that you're saying, man, I, I don't think God's taking care of me. My needs are not met. I don't, see, I don't see it happening for me. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about that. I want to read you. 4 to 34 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Have you ever allowed the entanglements of this world to cause you to put serving God on the back burner? The cares of this life can become suffocating. And when you put your focus on the temporal instead of the eternal, you start to grow unfulfilled in this life. Today, Pastor Bill will be challenging you to seek first God and to make serving Him your primary purpose in this life. When you fix your priorities, you'll be amazed how God provides for you and satisfies the longing of your soul. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Don't you know there's consequences to misbehaving? Um, because God loves you, says in Hebrews. He chastens those that he loves. And so anybody here has ever been spanked? Anybody here ever been chastened by the Lord? Anybody here experienced God's discipline? Yes? All right. We shy about that. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a switch, you know. Uh, I, I have. And, and I knew it when it happened that it was discipline. Uh, there was no doubt in my mind. There have been times in my life where I messed up. And there was no doubt in my mind that the the the... The consequence that followed, as soon as it happened, I knew that that happened because of that right there. And I remember at one point I was all bummed out and God even ministered to me in that. He's like, at least you know you say I only spanked my own kids, you know, but I realized that, man, God, God will get involved. And um, I don't want to spank from the Lord. <laughs> I want to I want peace with God. If you're his, God said, I'll get involved if I got to. And so but even that it's because he loves us. So. Uh, we don't want to let there be anything that we would say, man, this right here is worth it. Nothing's worth breaking fellowship. We want to be at peace with the Lord always. And so uh, moving on now, verses, um, verses 28 through um, verse 28. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, he who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering, his own hand shall bring the offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron and his sons. And so again, there's going to be a wave offering and a heave offering. The two portions of meat, uh, they're going to wave the breast and they're going to heave the thigh. Um, and I guess before I read through the rest of it, the breast and the thigh of the offering are symbolic of two different things. The breast of is, is it speaks of divine affection, just closeness, intimacy with the Lord. So they were offering that up as a wave offering to the Lord. The thigh um, for most animals and for human beings, the thigh is strong. A thigh is a big muscle. It speaks of divine power, divine strength. And so um, the two things that the, the one that was waved, the breast. Just the affection and the, the nearness and the sweetness and the intimacy with the Lord. And then the thigh, um, God's power, God's strength. The, both, both of those things, that's what they believed it was symbolic of. That's what they, they would wave one and heave the other. These were offered up to the Lord and they'd be shared also with the priests. 
And so in verse 33, it says, he among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their place, their peace offerings. And I've given them to Aaron, the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by statute forever. This is the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons for the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister as the Lord, to minister to the Lord as priests. So let me bring this up again because we're seeing the same thing again. God is now again, this is the third time in the same chapter where God is making sure that the servants are taken care of. Earlier on, the priests, they're taken care of. Then there's an extra portion for the, the other people in the, in the, that are serving in that way, taken care of with the, the different peace offerings, the grain as that was brought, that, that was going to be shared among them with all the people. And now God says, I want to make sure you guys understand. I told Aaron and his sons to serve in this way. And so now after the heave offering, after the wave offering, that's to be given to them. That's going to be a portion that's given to them. And so I would just point it out once more. That God is making sure that those that are serving him, they're taken care of. Are you worried about that? Are you concerned? Do you have worries or things in your life that you're saying, man, I, I don't think God's taking care of me. My needs are not met. I don't see, I don't see it happening for me. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about that. I want to read you 4 to 34 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather in the barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothed the grass of the field, which is, which is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, which would be the non-believers, seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so anyone struggling, worrying, just looking at things, they're not done. God said, don't worry. Just be faithful. Don't worry. Just seek me first. My kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added. I will take care of you. So here, as God is laying out the priesthood and laying out Aaron and his sons and directing them what to do, he's making sure that in the midst of all that, he's making sure that their needs are going to be met. And so he said it over and over again uh, within this, this little section, this little section of scripture here, 35 and 36 now. This is the consecrated portion of Aaron for Aaron and his sons from the offering made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priest. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on that day, and he anointed them by statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecration, and the sacrifice of peace offering 
which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And so we conclude this section on these particular offerings, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the different consecrations, things set apart for God, the peace offerings, and all the things that God has laid out. Um, in summary of all that, because I, as I keep reading through it, I'm like, man, God, it seemed like it was hard for me. I kept reading through the chapter six, five, six, and seven. It's like, this sin and, and sacrifice and sin and sacrifice and taking care of this, take care of that. And God says, hey, I, 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 that's one thing. What do y'all do most often? <laughs> like, man, I know, Lord, but dang, you know, we sin. We mess up. We break rules. We break commandments. So God's, I, I'm making sure that that gets taken care of. For them back then, they weren't washed in the blood of Jesus. It, they didn't have a once and for all sacrifice. And so they needed to be, they needed to know what to do to get it right so that we could be right again. And so, again, as I look at that and I study it, my appreciation, not that I didn't appreciate already the blood of Christ, not that I didn't appreciate already what Christ has done, but it's greater. I'm thankful for what he has done. But I I did want to point this out. I I believe there's a point. Why is God making sure that they know how to deal with their sin? Because God said, I got a I got a plan for you after sin. Um, I want to deal with sin so that. So that what? So that we can, have, we can be at peace, so that there can be fellowship, so that we can do some other things. For the priests, they had to deal with sin so that they can continue serving. So they, they messed up. If something wasn't right with the priests, if they were unclean, they had to deal with their things so that they can continue to serve God in the way they were called to serve God. For the people, if they had sin, they had to deal with their sins so they could be at peace, so they could worship, so they could engage, so they could interact, and so that they could serve and do the things God had called them to do. And so I just had a few examples from the word. If you're writing notes, um, you don't have to turn to these. I'm going to relay each one to us, but I'd like you to write them down in your notes. And I just was looking New Testament and saying, God, when you apprehend a person's life, Everybody that you go, everybody God goes after, we were, we were sinners, we were entrenched in sin before God apprehended our hearts, before God got a hold of us. But as I look in the word, I realize that when someone was in sin, whatever they were, when God gets a hold of them, they're just not the same. And God doesn't get a hold of them and deal with their sin so they could just go sin free. God's always seen to have a plan after sin. Like I, I got you, you were in this mess. We dealt with your sin issue. We got that squared away. Now I got you doing something else. And I think that is so important for Christians to get because sometimes I think why Christians can seem so legalistic and stuffy and funky is because we're, we're only looking at what we don't. We don't do that. You did. Oh, we don't do that. You watch that. You saw that movie. I don't watch those kind of movies, you know, or you, you, oh, you, you go to the, you drank that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I stopped drinking a long time ago. Anything wrong with that? No. I mean that we don't do certain things anymore, but why don't you do them? How come you don't watch that? How come you don't drink that? How come you don't roll like that no more? That's an important step that I think sometimes get left out for people. I don't do that because I'm called to do this. Like that would get in the way of this right here. I can't be in that state of mind while I'm doing this thing over here. And so I just want to point out just a few examples from the word, um, because I think in our lives, too, that God wants to deal with the sin. He wants to deal with the trespasses so that there can be peace and intimacy and fellowship with him, but also so that we can be busy about his business. so We can do the things he's called us to do. So um, first, if you're writing notes, you can write down um, Mark chapter five, verses one through 15. And in Mark chapter five, there's a man that is. Uh, possessed with demons. So he's in a messed up place. It says that when they got to where this guy was in the country of the Gadarenes, they came out of the boat and immediately there met them one out of the tomb. So this man 
lived in the tombs. Um, so he was just crazy, you know. Um, he just he lived in the at the cemetery like a crazy man. He had, he had and he had demons. He had an unclean spirit, and he had his dwelling among the tombs, and nobody could bind him, even with chains. And when they would bind him with shackles and chains, he would break them, and you know just had crazy demonic power and strength, and um, he was just there. And and the people probably were afraid of him and didn't want to deal with him and didn't want to be be with him. But I love the story because Jesus got there and Jesus went straight to him. Jesus said, I'll miss what I came for. I love this right here. This is this is the guy right here. I want to meet him. And he went over to him and Jesus interacted with the guy and he spoke to the spirit. He says, come out of him. And the demons spoke back and said, hey, we're, we're, what's your name? The demon said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus cast the demons out of this man. He was completely delivered, completely set free. And then some other things happened with the demons went into the swine and fell over the cliff and all of that. But in verse 15, when the people came back to look at this man, they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been demon possessed. And he had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And it says they were afraid. And when he told them how it had happened, uh, when they began to tell the story of what had happened to this guy. In the other version, it says that, that the guy wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go back home and tell them what great things God has done for you. And so I look at this man who was in a mess when God met him, demon possessed. And y'all been, I don't know if, I mean, and I don't know if any of you guys were demon possessed, you know, was, was it that bad? You might have acted like it, but I mean, this dude was, I don't think it gets any worse than that to be demon possessed. You're the freak of your community. You live in the cemetery. They be putting chains and shackles on you, breaking them off. I just, I see a man yelling. The other version says that he was naked. So he's running around just naked without clothes on, just crazy. And then the Lord meets him. Cast out the demons and it said now he got clothes on for that to be a big deal for that to be part of your testimony that now you wear clothes. That's how bad it was for this guy. But he was clothed and in his right mind. And that's I mean, and God said, I got a plan for you, man. You, you that were demon possessed, all that. I want you to go back there. I, your best ministry is going to be among the people that saw you like you used to be. So you can't come with me. I want you to go back to them. And he sent him back. But I just want to point out. That it didn't end with Jesus just dealing with his sin. He, Jesus didn't cast out the demon and say, now we're done. And he moved on to the next town. He said, no, no, this guy, there's purpose for this guy. There's something I want to do. The reason why I got to deal with those demons, because this guy can't be what I want him to be with demons. And so we're going to deal with that so that he can do what I want him to do. And so I just believe that that part gets missed sometimes. Why did God lay his hands on you? How come God apprehended you? How come he apprehended me? What's he want to do? Now he's dealt with the sin. Now you understand the cross. Now you understand that Jesus came and he bled and he died and he rose again and you've received forgiveness and salvation. And you have peace with God. That's awesome. That's the best thing that's ever happened to anybody here. But now what? Like now that God, now you have me. You purchased me with your blood. What do you want to do? I'm yours. Just tell me what to do. Whatever you say, do, Lord. Have we... Have we jumped that bridge? Are we in that place? So that's what God wants to get us to. The next person is in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Uh, you can write it down. This, this guy is popular in our little Sunday school lessons is uh, Zacchaeus, the little short guy. Um, but the, the, the community in which he lived, they didn't like this little guy. Um, Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector. And Jesus' day, that was probably the worst thing you could be because they were ripping people off. A uh, tax collector would come in. They had all the authority from the Roman government. Um, and you might owe, you know, 200. They can come in and say, mm, you owe, you owe 650. And they get the pocket, whatever the excess was. And everybody knew that they were crooks. And they went around ripping people off. And they were rich and they were wealthy because of it. And so in Luke 19, it says, then, 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 then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. 
who was a chief tax collector. He wasn't just entry-level tax collector. He was chief. That means he was good at ripping people off, very good at it. And he sought to see Jesus. He was just interested. Probably had heard all the news about Jesus. He wanted to see him, but he was short. And so that was his dilemma. As he wanted to see Jesus, there were crowds of people coming, and he, he, couldn't, he, went, he couldn't jump up and down. He couldn't see him. And so it says that um, he couldn't see him um, because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And I just think that's interesting that though he was so entrenched in his little sin and ripping people off, that there was a sincere interest to see Jesus, interested enough to climb a tree. If you're going to climb a tree, you really wanted to see. So whatever he had heard about Jesus has sparked interest. And he wanted to see him as he was getting ready to pass by bad enough that he climbed up in the tree to see him when he passed by. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for the day. I must stay at your house. And I want to point this out. Jesus comes to town. There are crowds of people. I'm sure in the crowd there are other sinners. I'm sure there are other people that, 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 are, that are. But he's, Jesus knew. Zacchaeus is ready today. And he looked up at him. Crowds everywhere. That's how come Zacchaeus couldn't see him. Looked up in the tree at Zacchaeus. And he says, I, I need to come to your house today. I, Jesus is going to come visit. Home visit through Jesus today. And verse 6 says, so he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they complained. When other people saw it, they got mad. They said, who is he? Why is he going with this sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord. I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And so I look at Zacchaeus. What was he the day that Jesus met him? A thief, ripping people off, uh, and a good one, chief tax collector. He just has this little interact. Jesus, I mean, it was so small. But Hugh, Jesus said, hey, I want to come to your house. He was like, all right, yes, I'm excited. And maybe just, we don't even hear that the gospel was preached or the message went forth, but maybe just being in the presence of God himself, he just said, man, okay, I'm done. He, he repented on the spot. He said, I'm going to give back everything I stole. He said, anybody that I took from false accusation, fourfold. So let's say you had been ripped off last week by Zacchaeus, and he got you for 400 bucks beyond what you should have paid. Four times 400, you're getting 1,200 bucks back. Would you forgive him? Absolutely. Do it again, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's a great interest rate. You know, he said this is two things that he had enough money to pay back fourfold. It's pretty amazing. But there is repentance. And now this man that was previously a thief is, is right now going to be generous. God had a plan for Zacchaeus. Um, last guy I would just refer to as Paul. You can write down Acts chapter nine. And in Acts chapter nine, Paul was who was at the time he was Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting Christians. He had actually got permission to go and imprison jail and, uh, and do harm to Christians. And he was going with that letter to go and do harm. He had been already persecuting. He had been, they threw the, 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 the people that stoned Stephen to death, had thrown their coats at his feet. And so Paul was on a mission. He was very zealous for what he was doing uh, against the church. And he's on the road to Damascus. The Lord meets him on the road. Jesus himself uh, light shone, he falls off his, his, his uh, you know, he falls down and he has this encounter with God. And in verse six of Acts nine, he, he, he recognizes the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? And you just see right there that that's where conversion began for him. Lord, what do you want me to do? He was blinded for several, for three days. Um, Ananias had to come pray for him that he could receive his sight. And I just love that God already knew. 
Paul just got saved that day. He had been walked with God for, for two steps. And Zacchaeus, I mean, I'm sorry, Ananias, as he asked the Lord, like he, he wasn't even sure about going to pray for Saul. He's like, Saul, he's like, Lord, do you know who he is? You know how much harm he's done? Like, I mean, anybody here try to educate God when you pray? Like, I mean, Lord, I know, I know you said go, but maybe you don't know how mean they are. Just, just so you, maybe you don't know. That's how Ananias talked to the Lord. And, and this is what the Lord told Ananias. Um, he's I, I, yeah, I know how bad he is, but he, he told him this in verse 15. He says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want you to think about this. Paul hadn't been saved for 24 hours, but God already knows what he wants to do with his life. I didn't just save him so he could be saved. I didn't just knock this man off his, you know, high horse so he could be saved. God said, no, no, he's, I got a plan for this man. He's going to bear my name before kings, before Gentiles, before the children of Israel, and he's going to have a difficult life. I'm going to show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's going to have a ministry where he suffers a little bit, but it's going to be worth it. God had all figured out. And so I, I point that out to you and me is that was God dealing with his sin? Was his sin great? Yes, his sin was great. He had been responsible for the death of Christians. He had been persecuting God's church. His sin was horrendous. But once the sin was dealt with, do you see how quickly God said, okay, we're dealing with that. I got a plan for his life. And so my challenge, my encouragement to us as we've been looking at Leviticus and it can get kind of kind of laborious and just ugh, sin. That's how I felt looking at it again. And then with sin again, and then sin again. And I'm like, well, God dealt with sin for a reason. So that so that we could be about his business so that we can get that out of the way. So there could be communion and fellowship and intimacy with God so that we could be about his business. So my encouragement to you as we wrap this up tonight is, one, that if there is sin undealt with, that we would deal with it. So if there's sin that we need to deal with, uh, we don't offer peace offerings and sacrifices, any of those things. Uh, we, we come to Jesus believing that he loves you, believing that he died on the cross for you, believing that he rose from the grave and we repent of our sins. Um, you don't just confess them, you confess them and you agree with God that what you've done is wrong and then you repent, you turn away from them and God will accept you. God will forgive you, he will cleanse you and he will begin to walk with you anew and afresh. He won't hold it over your head. When God forgives you, God forgives you. He lets it go. And so if there's sin right now, there are things that you got on your shoulders, you got on your back, just deal with it today. God loves you and he wants to forgive you, he wants to cleanse you. He wants things to be right between you and him again. And he's made a great provision that it could be he died for you. And so if there's sin, you want to deal with it. You want to just come for, come for forgiveness. Seek him for his forgiveness. If, you, if you're at that point where sin's been dealt with between you and the Lord, then you might be reminded that they also took time just spontaneously whenever they felt like to give thanks. And I hope that if your sins have been dealt with, that you're regularly giving thanks to the Lord, that you have so much to be thankful for. Praise should continually be in our mouth, that we should be people that just give it up all the time praising him for who he is and what he's done. Third, we're born again, we're saved, our sins are forgiven. Um, please make sure that you will spend some time with the Lord, seeking him about what you're to do now. Now that I'm saved, Lord, everybody else you saved, you have something for them to do. I'm saved, what do you have for me to do? So you can be busy doing what he called you to do, that you wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't be meandering. That's how people get in trouble. God saved you with purpose. But if you don't walk in your purpose, You'll end up doing nothing. There's a proverb that says, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And when you break those words down, 
the word vision, when there is no revelation, there's no word from God, the people perish, that word perish means they just do whatever. When there's no word from God, no vision, no direction, no guidance from God, no, I don't know what to do, it says that they end up doing whatever. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Leviticus is full of relevant content that can still be applied to us today. Yes, even the Old Testament book that seems to just be full of rules and regulations. It's full of the grace of God. No matter how many times the Israelites seem to misunderstand or misjudge God, He still forgave them. He still gave them chance after chance and gave them what they needed. How many times in your life can you see that God has done the same for you? He gives grace even when we make mistakes. He gives grace even when we don't deserve it. He gives us chance after chance after chance. There is no one else like Him. If you're struggling with your own mistakes and are having a hard time accepting the grace of God, we'd love to connect and pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online too. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus, and you won't want to miss it. Learn more next time right here on A Transforming Word.